Repentance follows faith. That's a bit of the wisdom that we'll hear today on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. I'm Steve Schwetz, inviting you aboard the Bible bus for our final study in the Old Testament book of Ezra. Tomorrow we'll set off on a new adventure through Nehemiah. So as you grab your Bible and turn to Ezra chapter 10, let's welcome Through the Bible's President Greg Harris into the studio. Thanks for having me, Steve. It's always good to be here. And Greg, when you're here, oftentimes we like to talk about our core values. Yeah. And we focus on different aspects because we got a lot of different core values. But let's focus a little bit more on some of the human networks yeah. that we do. Well, yeah, and I love to say that uh, human networks, which is just a phrase we've coined to, to say that God does his work through people. I think he figured that out before we did. Yes, we just but, put a name on it. Yeah, we put a name on it. But but what we mean is even though we like to talk about uh, radio towers and satellite TV and home groups and players, the, the real power of this ministry, obviously the word of God and the Holy Spirit, but it's flowing through human networks. And, and those human networks are as as I don't even want to say small, as minute or or as granular as an individual going to their neighbor and saying, would you like to right. listen to Through the Bible? That's God at work. Or maybe it's 20,000 home groups in South Asia. Yep. But we really celebrate that, and we love to, to hear about the power of word of mouth. Steve, why don't you read this letter from Texas? And here's one from Marlene in Brownsville, Texas. I never would have imagined writing a letter like this. I am new to the family of God, just one years old. I lived over 70 years without him, and I'm writing to tell you that many people listening to your program may not know him yet, so you need to keep telling them about Jesus. Well, amen, Marlene, to that. (laughs) That was me. My neighbor, Raquel, invited me on the Bible bus over 10 years ago, and I waved it off as not for me. Then she started listening to Dr. McGee while she weeded her garden, which just happened to be next to our fence line. And she turned it up so I could hear, too, as I sat on my patio when she was gardening. I usually found my way to my patio most every day. And, of course, as things go, when my family hit some hard times, I listened all the more, and eventually I bowed my heart to receive the Lord Jesus' gift that's more and so much more than I ever knew. When the Lord is divvying out rewards in heaven, I know my neighbor, Raquel, will get some. She was so welcoming, so unashamed of the gospel, and confident that what she was telling me about is something for my good. I've been on the Bible bus for a while now, but I'm new to the family. Thank you for taking me places I now have spiritual eyes to see. Wow, that that is such an awesome story. And, and thank you, Marlene, for telling us your story. And thank you, Raquel, for sharing. And and those of you, we know a lot of people are hearing our voices uh, over the radio, over digital podcasts, etc. Just think about how you can be used of God like that. And for someone at that stage of life to be willing to hear the gospel and respond and for yeah. God to save her, man, that's what we live for here through the Bible. Yeah, so, also the faithfulness of Raquel. I mean, I, yeah. I I can think of a lot of other stories like the guy in India that, you know, raises a loudspeaker right. at 5 o'clock in right. the morning outside his house by a bus stop and starts yeah. blasting through the Bible <laughs> in the morning. But I've never heard of someone in the U.S. really yeah. doing the same thing on a much smaller scale through a fence line. Yep, that is a first. Okay, we have time to hear from Mark from New Brunswick, Canada. There's a bunch of guys at my office that meet together at lunch and talk about what they're learning on Through the Bible, and then they pray for whatever it is you guys talk about. That's a small group, by the way. That's a home group or a work home group. Yeah, Yeah. okay. He goes on, I joined them for a couple of lunches, but I couldn't join in because I had no idea what they were so excited about. Mm. Then I 
Okay, there it is, Steve, the turning point. Then I downloaded the app and started to listen for myself. Little by little, I understood. I think I was a Christian before, but this constant exposure to the Bible Mm. has awakened something in me. I am writing to ask for a handful of those Bible bus passes. I want to invite others to join the party, too. Oh, and now I've got something to share at lunch. Thanks. <laughs> that is awesome. That is great. And hopefully you can use those 10 packs. And if you yep. want to be handing out those Bible bus passes to your friends and family, and I keep some in my wallet right next to my business cards and hand them out when I get a chance. So they're really convenient. they got a little QR code on the back, and you can quickly download the app uh, when uh, you have that QR code in your hand. Yeah, we and we are really uh, excited when uh, people are sharing how they're using the Bible bus passes. Um and we have one that'll point you to the Bible bus. We have one that'll point you to the gospel. Mm-hmm. So, so there's listen for the Bible bus. There's, uh, share for the gospel. And then if you want to access all of Dr. McGee's 100 plus booklets, that would be the other Bible pass for read. So lots and lots of opportunities to share. Greg, why don't you pray for us as we begin our study? Father, we thank you that you have worked through people always, and that will always be your chosen method. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is working through the lives of listeners of Through the Bible to reach other people with the gospel. We pray that our listening family would be emboldened to share joyfully this great news that we have in Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Now let's jump into our study of Ezra 10 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now last time in chapter 9... We saw this great prayer of Ezra and of those that were with him, those that trembled at the Word of God. You see, the Word of God has been back of all great spiritual movements. has to be. There can be no spiritual movement without the Word of God. And when Ezra had arrived in that land, word was brought to him of the low spiritual ebb of the people. And as a result, he went before God in prayer For some time, the man was in shock. He couldn't even actually move. He was so humiliated. And then those that felt as he did join with him in a great prayer meeting. And then we saw that great prayer. And then there began this movement of revival. And revival always leads to reformation. The problem in our day has been that we talk about we have a great revival in our church. And actually, when you examine it, it wasn't revival at all because a few people got saved, and that was great. But the point is that there was no reviving of the church. The church today as a whole is in a very low spiritual ebb. And for that reason, there should be a great deal of prayer today on the part of God's people not just saying prayer, but laying hold of God in prayer. Now, there were some results of this revival, and that leads to Reformation. And you don't need a fingerprint expert to find out what the results were. We find here now in chapter 10 at verse 1, and I'm reading. We read here, Now when Ezra had prayed and when he had confessed, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, there assembled unto him out of Israel a very great congregation of men and women and children, for the people wept so. 
Now, there is a great conviction of sin that comes over God's people at this particular time. And it certainly was something that was needed. Now, will you notice what happened? And Shechaniah, the son of Jehiel, one of the sons of Elam, answered and said unto Ezra, We have trespassed against our God and have taken strange wives of the people of the land. Yet now there is hope in Israel concerning this thing. Now, this man, Shechaniah, he became the mouthpiece here of, I think, a group of people that recognized their sin and wanted to confess. And they come to Ezra, and they make this confession. They say, we've trespassed against our God. Now, that's his very candid acknowledgement. And he says, we've taken strange wives of the people of the land. And that, my friend, is nailing it down, dealing with specifics. And all of this was absolutely contrary to the law of Moses. It was breaking the law. And they had not consulted in this grave matter that which was written. In other words, They had departed from the word of God. And this man now, though, casts himself upon the mercy of God. He says, yet now there is hope in Israel concerning this thing. And the thing that follows here, will you notice? He says, now therefore let us make a covenant with our God to put away all the wives and such as are born of them according to the counsel of my Lord and of those that tremble at the commandment of our God and let it be done according to the law. Now, there were those that joined now in confession, and they likewise trembled at the commandment of God. That is, they just didn't read it or just study it. The Word of God had its way in their hearts. When that was called to their attention, a transgression, they confessed it. They didn't attempt to rationalize or excuse it or cover it over. And they just came out and confessed it. And they did this according to the Word of God. Now he goes on, verse 4, Arise, for this matter belongeth unto thee. We also will be with thee. Be of good courage and do it. Then arose Ezra and made the chief priests, the Levites, and all Israel to swear that they should do according to this word, and they swear. And Ezra rose up from before the house of God and went into the chamber of Johanan, the son of Eliashib. And when he came thither, he did eat no bread nor drink water, for he mourned because of the transgression of them that had been carried away. Now, this was a very serious thing in breaking the law of God. And they go before him with great travail of soul. Ezra now goes into the very presence of God. And this is something that's very drastic. It's rather heart-rending, this thing they went through. But the Word of God has been transgressed. And the repentance came to God's people here. Now, friends, that's where revival must begin First, walking in the light of the Word of God. And when we come to the Word of God and it brings conviction to our hearts, we see we are coming short of the glory of God, or we are openly transgressing, 
that which God has written. Then we go to him in confession. Then there is real repentance. And as a result, why the children of God are revived. We today have been so busy preaching repentance to the lost world outside. Very candidly, I'm not sure that God's asking are saying to the lost world there to repent. To the lost world, it's believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And when you come to Christ as Savior, something else happens. It happened in Thessalonica. Paul says, how ye turn to God from idols. Now the coming to God took priority over turning from idols. Repentance does not precede faith. Faith goes before, and repentance follows. Follows as the night, follows the day. It just has to follow. If it doesn't follow, then there wasn't anything pulling it up in front. There was no real saving faith at all. And therefore, the thing that's important today is this thing that's so lacking in the church is repentance. Have you ever noticed that in the Bible, God asks the church to repent? In the seven letters to the seven churches of Asia Minor, he said to every one of them, repent, lest you repent. Now, he's talking to believers. He's not talking to unsaved people, apparently. He's talking to those that are saved. And today, we're telling the lost world. Now, probably those of you that listen to me recognize I have a few hang-ups. Well, I want to tell you about another one I got. I detour every now and then, get off on these, but I feel they're important. Now, I personally do not agree with these people who are constantly saying to the mayor or to the governor or to the president, let's have a national day of prayer. We need prayer. Oh, my friend, what are you talking about? I can't believe that Ezra sent out word to that crowd that were round about them of the Hittites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Amorites, and the Egyptians. He didn't send out a petition to all of them. Let's have a great day of prayer. You don't ask the heathen to pray and repent. My friend, America today is a pagan nation. Let's face it, believers are a minority. This is a day when every minority is being heard except the Bible believers, and they're not being heard today. That's an interesting thing about our minority. And it's the reason that I think I could get up a rally of thousands of people in Southern California to call a great national day of prayer. I don't think it'd be any problem. Well, what good would it do? God is saying to his church, repent. He's saying to his church, you come back to me. Come back out of your coldness and your indifference. The thing is that what we need today is a revival. And a revival will not come without repentance. And until there is repentance in the church. And that's among believers. The very interesting thing is that these people here are no longer indifference, you see. We've got indifference in the church today. Lyman Abbott made this statement years ago. 
He says, when a boy, I heard my father say that if by some miracle God would change every cold, indifferent Christian into ten blatant infidels, the church might well celebrate a day of thanksgiving and praise. Trouble with the church today, it's filled with cold, indifferent church members. I don't even know whether they're saved or not. And if revival had come, friends, I tell you, you're going to see this crowd that indifferent, they're either going to come over on the Lord's side or else they're going to make it very clear they belong to the devil. This is tremendous, this section here, you see. Now we find out this man, Ezra, he went to God in genuine repentance. Now, verse 7, And they made proclamation throughout Judah and Jerusalem unto all the children of the captivity that they should gather themselves together unto Jerusalem, and that whosoever would not come within three days according to the counsel of the princes and the elders, all his substance should be forfeited and himself separated from the congregation of those that had been carried away. Now, they are making a real line of separation. Now, they're under law. I don't think that in the church today you could force this at all. But you see what they're doing. They're getting out all of the chaff that they possibly can from the good wheat here. And it'll take about three days to come from any section in that land. And this is directed to these that have come out of Babylonian captivity because they've come to rebuild the city of Jerusalem and the temple. They are to come together, and they're to come together for a great time of spiritual refreshing, but repentance must precede it. And they're to come together, and if there are those that won't come, that hold something in their heart, they say they're not doing it my way, or they have some other objection, then they're to be put outside. Now, the church needs house cleaning today. And I don't mean taking out the dead wood of the members they can't locate. What the average church needs to get rid of are some of the members they can locate. They're the ones that they need to deal with. And if today real revival had come into the church, all this bitterness that you find even in our fundamental churches. Now, don't tell me they're not there. I was quite interested in several letters I received of what I said some time ago about the condition of fundamentalism. There are a great many people thought I should have kept quiet about it. They said, you shouldn't have brought that out in the open. I believe when you got cancer, telling people about it, friends, and when it's a spiritual cancer, knowing that the very life of the church, I think somebody ought to call attention to it and bring the old skeleton out of the closet. Let's get rid of it. That's the important thing. And I make no apology for doing that at all. Then there were several folk thought that their church was all right. The interesting thing, I happen to know a couple of the churches that were mentioned to me, and I know the pastor. The pastor has a different viewpoint than you have. I can assure you that. You see, bitterness today is like quinine in a barrel of water. It doesn't take much of it. And I remember that when I was a boy, my mother would always tell me when I'd cut up a chicken, you don't break the gallbladder. You ruin the whole chicken if you do. You could have spoiled the entire fowl. 
And God wants to get rid of that. He says, for instance, Hebrews 12, 15, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. And the Lord said, A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Just a few complainers and critics in the church can absolutely stifle any spiritual movement in the church. How many lives have been wrecked by bitterness? And we don't have time to develop that today. Now, we're told, Then all the men of Judah and Benjamin gathered themselves together unto Jerusalem within three days. It was the ninth month. And verse 10, And Ezra the priest stood up and said unto them, You've transgressed, taken strange wives to increase the trespass of Israel. Now therefore make confession unto the Lord God of your fathers. Do his pleasure and separate yourselves from the people of the land from the strange wives. And all the congregation answered and said with a loud voice, As thou hast said, so must we do. In other words, not being a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word also. Repentance that leads to action. And we're hearing a great deal today about action groups in the church. What they mean are witnessing. What the church needs to do is to get cleaned up. This confession needs to be done. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one for another. Now you find here that this is going to be a bitter pill, but they did all the things that had been asked of them. And these people come together in confession. And when they do, there was, I'm confident, the great wrenching of the heart. And there was great agony of soul as these people did this thing. And I think something here that's quite interesting, that when they gathered together, why, there was quite a rainstorm that apparently came up. And they appointed a certain time. But the people are many, verse 13, and it's a time of much rain. And we're not able to stand without, neither is this uh, work of one day. Now, they're not going to do it in a slipshod manner. Rainstorm came up. Everybody wanted to scatter. And this man, Ezra, has got a whole lot of sand. And he says, well, we don't want to stand out here in all this rain and with women and children. And what we want to do is to come back another day and to do this thing right. And now our rulers of all the congregation stand and let them which have taken strange wives, let this thing be handled in an orderly way. This is a great thing, by the way. And this is the thing they did. And they all, we're told here, verse 19, they gave their hands that they would put away their wives, and being guilty, they offered a ram of the flock for their trespass. Now, will you notice verse 44, the last verse? All these had taken strange wives, and some of them had wives by whom they had children. And that tells you a pretty sad story, does it not? The sins that have to be visited on the children. And then another thing that this offering is an offering that speaks of the fact that the people are united together now as one. I can't call it fellowship. I think fellowship is something that the Spirit of God brought to believers on the day of Pentecost. You don't see too much of it today, but there are many places where there's wonderful fellowship. I go into many churches, and there are certain churches I go in 
I just look forward to it. They're a wonderful folk there. You have wonderful fellowship in the things of God. And there are some few churches not quite like that. But there are so many wonderful churches, wonderful people. Today you can have fellowship. Now, only the Spirit of God can make that. Here, you have a time of the people coming together, united in this tremendous effort that is made. That brings us to the end of the book of Ezra. Next time, we're going to be in the book of Nehemiah. Oh, this is a great book we're coming to now. And there's a lot of fun in the book of Nehemiah. I hope you find fun in the Bible. Until then, may God richly bless you, my beloved. Well, that's a great introduction to our study in Nehemiah that begins next time. So why don't you hop aboard the Bible bus and come along with us? Until then, you can find out more about the great Bible study tools that we offer, including our digital book, Briefing the Bible. In that, it contains all of Dr. McGee's notes and outlines for Nehemiah and the whole Bible. Just go to ttb.org to get yours. Or you can call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE or email BibleBus at ttb.org. Well, I'm Steve Schwetz, and I'll meet you back here next time as together we make our way through the Bible. Through the Bible exists to take God's whole word to the whole world. And we invite you to stand with us with your faithful prayer and financial support. Where will God's word go today?